coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. I do not take one day for granted. Uh, I totally live so that so that I can enjoy every single thing, and I don't I don't just let it pass me by anymore. Um, I think once you get a call that you could be that close to. Um, the end of the end of your life and and not feel like you have control, then you want to try to take as much control of it as you possibly can while still not being um, held underneath it. But you actually have to just really embrace it and you have to be as active. You have to enjoy when you're with your friends or when you're with your family and just know that, you know, this is not promised to you. Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 45 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you for joining me. A lot going on. We've been really, really busy uh, working on the podcast. I've had some wonderful interviews, uh, some future guests that uh, will be joining us uh, coming up, as well as a guest that uh, was one of the first that I interviewed. Dawn Eicher, and Dawn and I had a wonderful conversation the other night. She's going to come back on the show here in the very near future and give us an update on what's going on with her. And I'm really excited to tell you that uh, we've been invited again to fly out to Arizona again uh, for the Stage 4 Colon Cancer Alliance Live Your Best Life Symposium, which will be in Mesa, Arizona, the weekend of November 11th of this year. And we'll be podcasting from that event uh, like we did last year for Live Your Best Life uh, 2015. So I'm very excited uh, not just to be able to do that, but to have the opportunity to uh, provide a forum for those of you that won't be there that are interested in hearing what's happening, particularly around uh different things as it relates to us stage four survivors interview some fellow survivors, medical professionals, et cetera, and be able to post those podcasts right from the event so that you can tune in as if you were there live. And I'm even more excited because as a lot of you know, who are involved in the online colorectal cancer community, many of us have made some really wonderful connections with people some of us have experienced uh, the passing of people we've been close to, which is certainly very hard. But uh, one of the challenges is how do we get to, how and when can we meet some of these wonderful people that we virtually meet? And I'm excited, uh, just off the top of my head, I already know of four people who have been guests on the podcast, uh, one that will be a uh, upcoming guest. She and I spoke early today. That's Yana Downing. So uh, I'm going to get to finally meet and give some big old hugs to some great people that I've not had the chance to meet face to face. So be prepared for big hugs coming at you. Yana, Nate, 
uh, Nate Allen, Tom Marsilia, Don Iker. I'm sure there's going to be a few others uh, that I've not yet crossed paths with. And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to do that. So looking forward to that a few months down the road. Uh, some great events coming up for in the colon cancer community. A few undie run walks I want to talk about. First is the one coming up on Saturday, July 16th down in the Jersey Shore for those folks uh, in that area or not too far away that can make their way out. Uh, to the Great Lawn at Pier Village in Long Branch. The Undie Run Walk on Saturday, July 16th, 8 a.m. is out there for you. And after Jersey Shore, the next stop will be on Saturday, August 6th. We're heading to Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, also at 8 a.m. at Shelby Park. So for those of you listening that are in around the Nashville area, love to see you out there on Saturday, August 6th. And then the final stop for the month of August, we're going to crisscross back across the country, go to, up to the great northwest to Tacoma, Washington for the Undie on Saturday, August 20th in Tacoma at Wright Park. Uh, looking forward to see you folks at all three of those uh, events for the 5K run or one mile fun walk. And also coming up on Wednesday, July 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern time is uh, the Colon Cancer Alliance very first online webinar uh, in Spanish. La Prevención, Detección y Tratamiento de Cáncer de Colon Metastástico. I hope I did that right. Uh, webinar about prevention, detection, and treatment options for colorectal cancer. So if you or someone you know would be more comfortable uh, getting this information in Spanish, check us out online at ccalliance.org on Wednesday, July 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Thank you to everybody. I've received a lot of feedback uh, over the several weeks suggesting guests for the show. And we're always looking for uh, great people to talk to who have uh, stories to share. If you have someone in mind that you'd like to recommend for the show, go on our website, thecoloncancerpodcast.com, and click on the link at the top that says recommend a future guest and we'll be sure to get in touch with them. Also, it's been some time since I've asked this favor. So I am going to ask you to do me a favor. If you have been a fan of the show and enjoy what we have to say and the stories we share, it would mean the world to me if you would just take a minute Go on iTunes, go into the iTunes store and look for podcasts and search for the Colon Cancer Podcast and leave us a review. Hopefully uh, you feel the work we've done warrants a five-star review. Uh, Reviews help us. They help gain uh, exposure for the podcast. It makes it easier for people to find us. And that's what we want to do. So if you've not not yet left us a review on iTunes, Please take a minute, go on iTunes, search for the Colon Cancer Podcast, click on the link that says rate and review, and uh, leave us a review. I'd really appreciate that. I do want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of our show, the folks at H2ORS. Uh, H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution. For those of you that are struggling to stay hydrated, 
whether it's because you're on chemo, you have an ostomy, whatever it may be, this is a wonderful product that you should check out. Unlike the popular sports drinks, H2ORS does not contain any sugar, artificial sweeteners or colors. And for listeners of the show, if you go on their site at h2ors.com forward slash sample, fill out your information, they'll ship you out a couple of free samples. And when you're ready to place your first order, if you use the promo code h2ors.com, they'll take 10% off of that order. So again, thank you to Chris Shaw and the team at h2ors for all of your support. My guest this week is Melissa Marshall. Melissa is an entertainer. She's a singer and a dancer, and she even wrote and recorded a song about her journey with rectal cancer. The name of the song is called No You Can't Sir. No You Can't Sir. She's got a great story to tell, so join me now for my conversation with Melissa Marshall. Good evening, Melissa. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Hi, Lee. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure uh, and and, uh, and an appreciation and thank you as well to your daughter-in-law for reaching out to me through the coloncancerpodcast.com website. And she found my link that said, nominate someone with a great story and, uh, and your story popped up in my inbox. So um, obviously you've inspired, uh, you're, you're out there inspiring people with your story. Well, I feel very special, and my daughter-in-law is very special, too. She's uh, really gotten very involved uh, uh, within the whole foundation, and she spearheads all of my social media, and I think she's learned more about uh, uh, colorectal cancer and knows almost more than I almost do. So she's just <laughs> one of those kind of people. I see. So how did you come to be diagnosed? I actually came to be diagnosed. I was suffering with a very bad hip injury that I had been diagnosed. I was going to have to have my hip replaced. And I am a singer and um, and a dancer. And I'd been having pain for a very, very long time with my hip. So when I found out that I had to have it replaced, I had gone ahead and made the arrangements to have the surgery in about three weeks from that date. And as the days kept getting closer, I just had this impending, looming, getting brighter and brighter light that I finally had to address. And I knew that I had been bleeding rectally for probably close to a year. And I was having a whole bunch of other effects where I, but the last thing I ever thought, the last thing I ever thought was that I had cancer. I was in absolutely no pain, uh, although I was bleeding bright red daily at every single time that I would go to the uh, restroom. And um, my going to the restroom, though, was becoming more infrequent. And my stool was becoming more ribbon-like, and then there was uh, red and blood within that. I was becoming bloated, distended, tired, just not feeling right. But I really, really thought that it was because of my hip, because I was not singing as much as I always did. And I just felt as if I was slowing down and my metabolism was changing. I literally had just turned uh, 50. And 
I just thought all of those things combined, it was just like a menopausal thing. I just seriously did not think that it was uh, cancer. And so I had said something to my husband and he was like, it's a fissure, it's a hemorrhoid. And I said, but it doesn't hurt. And that was quite a long time before that. Then I was finally confided in one of my best friends. And I tell you that if she could have jumped through the phone and wrung my neck, she said, hang the phone up right now, get off the phone with me, call your doctor and make an appointment and don't even call me back until you've done so. And I really basically knew that she wasn't kidding. So I did pick up the phone. I called my gynecologist first, not really knowing who I was supposed to call. And I had never really seen a colorectal uh, surgeon or a doctor prior to that. He directed me uh, straight to a doctor that he recommended. I went and saw her within about three or four days and was telling her all the things that I was experiencing. She told me to hop up on the table. She was going to give me a little examination. After she did, she told me, hop back down off the table, have a seat. She sat down and she pulled up her chair, which rolled straight towards me and leaned in. And she said, I think you need to put off your hip surgery. And I said, what are you talking about? There is no way I can put this off. I am in such agony. She said, it's a matter of life and death. You have a very large mass, very, very low down on your rectum, leaning on your sphincter muscle. And you've got to have, and she rattled off four or five tests within, you know, two seconds. And within 10 minutes, I was booked for all of these tests within the next five days, running basically concurrently. And basically within the next five days, I was diagnosed uh, with the cancer. I actually had had a colonoscopy, which she performed, and I was under for two hours and 45 minutes as she proceeded to try to dissect a golf ball-sized tumor from me and sent it away for pathology. And literally, if I had waited just a couple more months or if I had had that hip surgery and probably wouldn't even have been able to attend to anything, I most likely would not be speaking to you right now. Goodness. So. And what was, what was that reaction when you actually heard the dreaded three words, you have cancer? I, wow, you know what? When you just said that to me again, I, I got chills. I remember exactly what time of day it was. I remember exactly where I was standing in my bedroom when I answered the phone call, sitting down on the chair in front of my bed, and my husband was sitting straight ahead of me, and he was on the phone, and I basically just nodded my head and put my hand on my mouth, and I just was nodding my head Yes. And then I walked into the other room where I could listen to her and she proceeded for the next 40 minutes to talk to me and tell me what she felt that I was going to need to do, that she had a surgeon um, at Memorial Sloan Kettering that really specialized in the surgery that I was going to have to have, that I was going to have to have an ostomy bag. Um, She basically was preparing me. And, um, you know, at that time, they can't tell you what stage you are. They don't know until uh, 
you go in and uh, they go in and of course they, you know, go in and see what the margins are and um, take the lymph nodes. And as you probably know, um, so we were hopeful at first, although my tumor was very, very large, there was still a a possibility that it was just an earlier stage. But unfortunately, once I was in the hospital and had the surgery, which um, I had the surgery on November 14th, 2013. And, uh, you know, three days after I was there still in the hospital uh, recovering, the results came in that it was indeed stage three and that I would have to then follow up and go for chemo and radiation. And um, I stayed in the hospital for 13 days uh, that bout. And um, and what's the where do you stand now as far as uh, the status of your the disease? The status of my disease right now is that I am in remission. I am clean. Uh, I do have to go for another blood test and CAT scan, as you know, and probably you do, uh, every three to six I months do. still within the first five years. Um, I still have my port in. Uh, and, you know, it's it's um, it's that mental game that you play with yourself constantly. Uh, I have learned now not to live in the in the. Uh, just feeling that every single day it's going to come back, it's going to come back. I really do not dwell there. I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't for a while. I think I think it's normal because you're you're so frightened um, for all the statistics and the different the different things that you hear. But you have to learn to put those aside, and you have to just live way more in the moment than, than in what could be. No question. We all deal with that. And, and, uh, the, the, the popular term scanxiety as a, you know, as each scan schedule scan comes up, uh, I've got mine coming up next month. So, uh, but, uh, but you're right. It, 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 it takes some time to kind of get to that place. But uh, you're coming up on three years now, and congratulations that everything has been clean uh, so far. Yes, actually, uh, so I believe I believe that this week right now uh, is two years ago that I completed chemotherapy. So that's wow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the other news that you had a process too, Melissa, was not just. The, the, the first uh, piece of information, hey, you've got cancer, but then you had a process that uh, your life was going to be with an ostomy. And, yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, being a singer, I, it, you know, that was the thing that was the most frightening to me. First of all, I did not know if I would ever be able to sing again. Um, you do know, obviously, that, you know, they basically cut through all of your uh, stomach muscles. And, um, you know, I was I was had very strong core muscles at that time. And, and uh, so I was very fearful um, of that. And and how was I going to 
regain that ability. And the one thing that the surgeon had informed me is that uh, the likelihood that I would ever be able to get a reversal was basically nil um, due to the fact that more than likely I would never be able to because the the uh, damage was so close to my sphincter, I would never be able to regain full uh, use of the sphincter muscle again. And so, of course, you can imagine that you wouldn't want a singer on stage uh, that is having a bowel problem. So, uh, and especially that would really be difficult for my keyboard player behind. <laughs> so, um, and, and that, you know, lends itself to, I don't know if I can say this on a podcast, but you really don't want to listen to a shitty singer. <laughs> but, so, but, <laughs> <so yeah. laughs> but the good, the good news is that, um, uh, eventually, obviously, I did regain the use um, of of my stomach muscles, and I was able to get myself back singing. And the most important thing for me was that literally the day that I left the hospital, which was November 26th of 2013, the vision of my butterfly now, which is my butterfly cancer ribbon necklace, that vision literally came to me on our drive back to New Jersey. And I turned to my husband and I said, I've got to call the jeweler. I want to get home. I want to draw this vision that I just had. And I want this made. And I really would love to have this for my Christmas gift. And I did just that. And surely on December 25th, I had my necklace in my hand, which has now become the basic symbol for my foundation. And um, it's so many people would stop me constantly. Where did you get that? That's so beautiful that eventually I just realized that I was going to have to replicate it, which is what I've done and uh, just came out with the... um, first five colors in what is going to eventually be a full series of cancer identifying ribbon colors within the butterfly design. Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the uh, the photo on your website. So so tell us about uh, this whole Know You Cancer Foundation that you started. Uh, I know that that also turned into a song. We'll, we'll talk about your song in a little bit. But uh, how did this foundation that you started, how did it it come to be? It really also uh, came to be um, uh, more than anything with the song. I I also, just a couple days from getting home from the hospital, um, as it usually does with me, uh, if I start to hear lyrics, I'll just sit down. And I basically did with this, and I, I sat down and... Uh, usually about a 20 to a half an hour uh, later, I wrote the lyrics um, to the song. And the way that I wrote it and that it just came out of me was basically that I was talking about, it sounds like I'm talking about a guy that did me wrong. But really what I'm talking about is cancer. And how cancer did me wrong, and I was going to say, no, you cancer. 
and I wasn't addressing a, a man. I was addressing my cancer. And so I spelt it differently, C-A-N-T apostrophe C-E-R, so that I could kind of change it and people would actually really emphasize the can't in cancer and that you won't allow it to happen to you. And at that time, like I said, I still didn't know whether or not I was really ever, ever going to be able to make this song come to fruition with me singing it. Um, it wasn't really until about six months later that I was finally able to start singing. And then finally the song got recorded last June and July 18th of last year, 2015, is when I finally debuted the song. And sort of at the same time with debuting the song, I came out with T-shirts in it. And then that was when so many people were talking to me about the butterfly that I said, wow, I need to actually replicate this. And it all seemed to just snowball at once. And I basically said, wow, I guess maybe I should start a foundation. And I really got to address the fact because what happened was I was really started going to support groups. I have a great support group uh, in my area through Gilda's Club. And I was starting to go every month and became very attached to all the members that we have. We probably have about 30 actively and and everyone is really vocal and everyone has a, a really good time and they're not shy about it. And that was when I really, really saw though that there was a problem with the negative stigma with ostomy bags and how you're viewed in the world and how people looked at me like they're you're wearing an ostomy bag. Well, where is it? Why, why can't we see it? Will you wear tight clothes? Well, why, you know, and so there's just been so much that I finally just decided that this really needed to be addressed and that being able to use the song and the necklace as the catalyst to be able to now put out what is called it's in the bag ostomy awareness publication that is how I put everything all together. And that's that's where the whole entire um, focus it has been headed. And believe me, I never, ever thought that I was the kind of person that would be spearheading a foundation. That was, I never, I never would have thought about that as being my path or where I was going, but it is now. And that is now my new... Uh, um, position in life and my my new definition of where it is and what it is that I've got to do and it's not about me anymore nothing is about me it's all about, about helping others and making them feel more comfortable uh, in society with themselves getting to understand how we live with ostomies um, how to make other people that are around us and our family members, just people who are not in the know, really kind of understand the life that we have. So you, what you've done is you've got this beautiful jewelry. You have, uh, you've given people the opportunity on your site. And if you would, uh, what, what is the website? The website is knowyoucancerfoundation.org. No, you can't, sir. 
Foundation. So if people visit your website, they're going to see the beautiful jewelry. They'll have the opportunity for a whopping 99 cents to download uh, the, the ballad version and the dance version. And then you take the proceeds and use that to create this awareness literature to help people uh, understand and, and cope with uh, uh, and manage their life uh, with uh, with an ostomy. With the ostomy bag, right? And fi- and also, you know, especially to find support in their areas and to um, locate all of the different uh, all of the different websites that are there for, to help you, all the different kind of ostomy products that are available to, um, to everybody and, and how to use them and, and also to understand that it's your right to carry your ostomy products everywhere and at all times you should have your ostomy products, whether or not there happens to be a complication. You always want to have uh, your products with you and that you cannot be told that you can't carry them into any type of arena when they're checking your bags and they tell you you have to wear something, bring something in a, in a clear bag or you have to do this. This is your absolute citizen right to carry this. This is actually your prosthesis um, supplies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, it, you literally are entitled by the law to carry these with you at all times. So TSA, uh, issues with TSA and going to the airlines and, uh, you know, just in your everyday travels, you know, you need to understand these, all of these different things and accessories that come along with having an ostomy bag and all the products and just, you know, getting to know what you can eat, what you can't eat. Uh, how your body functions, um, knowing that you need to drink uh, way more water and always be hydrated. I mean, there's just so much information that you need to know and a different mindset that you you have to understand so that you can move forward in your life. And the butterfly necklaces are, are $30, and they actually come packaged with my CD. Oh, okay. So you get both of the songs presented with the necklace uh, in, a, in a 3D presentation along with the whole entire mission statement for the um, foundation and all of the different um, uh, contacts that we have, be it Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, Facebook, and the website so that you can get as much information as you can possibly get. That's fantastic. I want to go back to something you said a little bit ago, Melissa, and you said... You- you never envisioned doing something like running a foundation. When you think back uh, over the last uh, almost three years now as to what you've been through, how are, how do you see yourself? How, how are you different as a result of this experience? How has it changed you? Well, for the first thing, I do not take one day for granted. Uh, I totally live so that so that I can enjoy every single thing and I don't I don't just let it pass me by anymore. Um, I think once you get a call that you could be that close to 
um, the end of the end of your life and and not feel like you have control, then you want to try to take as much control of it as you possibly can while still not being um, held underneath it. But you actually have to just really embrace it and you have to be as active. You have to enjoy when you're with your friends or when you're with your family and just know that, you know, this is not promised to you. And so that I think is, is above all, um, the biggest thing. Um, I also don't take for granted that I'm, you know, would never possibly be able not to be able to sing again. That is the biggest way that I have to, um, to let my feelings out. And I'm very, very fortunate that it's such a healthy way to let my feelings out. And, and every weekend when I sing, um, it's, it's a different night and I, I experience it with different people. And, uh, I used to get the question all the time, you know, do you ever get bored singing the same songs? And, and I actually say, you know what? I really don't because something can happen a day before that for whatever reason, a song that you've been singing for years could all of a sudden have a new meaning. And then you always have different people in front of you. So it's always a different experience. Um, and, I, and I think also that I'm just changed as far as everything not being all about me. And when I say that, I don't mean that I was a selfish person before. I really don't think I was. But I think what's happened now is that it's it's so much more about, I feel like I can help so much more and so many people now doing this than I was able to do when I was singing in a, in a casino and, and, or, you know, I mean, you know, I've opened, I both opened up for Don Rickles. I, I, I work with Tony Orlando. I've worked with a lot of different people and I've had some really wonderful, fortunate, fortunate success in my life. But now this is a totally different calling and it's, it's so much more about, they used to say, uh, I think it was with Kevin Bacon. They used to phrase uh, the the term six degrees of separation," right? Uh, as it was from him. But now with cancer, it seems as if it's really one degree of separation. There is everyone. You cannot talk to somebody who has not either been affected by cancer or doesn't know somebody. That's so true. That is so true. So so when I say it's not about me anymore, it's just not about me. It's just as much as I can do and, and as much information. And if I can ease someone's anxiety for just a little bit of time, and if I can bring a smile to someone who's sitting in that chemo chair, who sits and listens to my song and for... Uh, you know, a little bit of time, they actually go, you know what? No, no, you can't, sir. You're not going to get me. That's right. I am not going to give up. You're not going to live within my body. I'm not going to let you reside here. And, And just give them the strength and the power to say it. And that's basically 
what I feel that I'm trying to do, basically through color and design and sound. I'm trying to apply it to a human experience. Sure. And and clearly, uh, I know I try to live my life this way and so many other people that I've had the chance to interview on this podcast and you just echoed it yourself, Melissa. Attitude makes such a difference. So I want to end our, end our time together by asking you the question that I ask most people uh, and, and get different responses. And that is, if someone... Uh, who might turn in, tune into our podcast, Melissa, that they themselves or someone that they're very close to recently received a diagnosis like you did uh, and, and stumbles upon our conversation and has that same initial reaction that we all had three, three years out, what, what, would you, what would you share with that person? I think the most important thing that I would share with them is to let yourself feel everything. Allow yourself to be scared. Allow yourself to look forward. Just allow yourself to go through the process and then you'll find yourself evolving through through the process. I definitely want to encourage everybody not to be afraid to discuss everything with their family members, with their friends, to not be embarrassed. This is nothing to be embarrassed about. You did nothing wrong. You did nothing to deserve this. And it's okay. And you're going to be okay. It's just a different way to poop. That's <laughs> all. It really is. And it, it's, it's just actually, it's an amazing, amazing process. I think it's a miracle that doctors are able to do this and that we, they're saving us through this process because otherwise we would not be able to survive. So this is the way that you are able to survive. And you're not going to be the first and you're not going to be the last. Great words of advice and words of experience. And Melissa, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story uh, with our audience. I know it's going to be very well received. And I just want to wish you uh, continued, most importantly, good health. Uh, clean, continued great scans uh, in, in, in your future. And uh, thank you for working so hard to positively impact the lives of so many people through your foundation. Uh, go out and keep singing. Thank and you. Thank you for I spending will, time. Thank you, Lee. And I, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And I appreciate you taking such an active role uh, as you did as well. And uh, hopefully from hearing both of us, you know, um, hopefully, like the old saying says, if we can just help one person, then we did our job. Well said. Well said. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. 
You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at the colon cancer podcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.